and welcome. You are listening to an NIHR podcast. I'm Professor Turi King, your host, and today I'm talking to Martin Tobin and Catherine John, who are the Principal Investigator and Scientific Director, respectively, of the EXCEED study, which is a longitudinal health study that looks at the causes of long-term health conditions by collecting information about genes and lifestyle. Martin and Catherine, the Exceed study has recently celebrated its 10th anniversary. So let's start at the beginning. What is the Exceed study and what was the original vision for it? So the Exceed study is a study of 11,000 local participants to Leicester, Leicestershire and Rutland who've chosen to give their time, complete questionnaires, give a sample of their saliva for DNA analysis and consent to link with their electronic healthcare records as well as consent to be called back for future studies to enable us to better understand long-term conditions. So it sounds like you've got lots of sort of information there that you're linking. So you've got things like patient health records but you're also able to look at their genetic data. So is that new to be able to do that? And what's the thinking behind doing that? So when we designed the study, we wanted to be able to answer questions which were relevant to understanding how long-term diseases are caused and why they progress in different ways. So in conjunction with the public and participants locally, we designed the study in such a way that we were able to utilise the relevant pieces of information, but also make it tremendously convenient for participants to be able to take part in the study. So, for example, we are able utilising linked electronic healthcare records with participants' consent. We're able to see how long-term conditions evolve and progress without needing to recollect that information from participants on a frequent basis. Are you teasing out the differences in terms of disease, I suppose the way it arises, but also how it progresses in terms of what the genetic causes might be, plus also lifestyle factors? Is that what you're trying to look at the difference between those two? Exactly. We're able to look at the same time lifestyle influences on how diseases evolve and how they progress, and at the same time look at genetic influences on diseases and how the two work together to influence risk of disease. So if you look at a long-term condition like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, a really important long-term lung condition, then smoking and one's genetic makeup act together to influence one's risk. And by being able to study both in detail, we can understand how that works and how best we might be able to intervene in such diseases in the future. So you're actually adding, it sounds like, another layer of information. Because quite often, if you're looking at things like lung disease, you might go, right, well, these people all have lung disease. These people don't. What are the kind of genetic variants that these people have got that might make them more prone towards lung disease that these people don't have? But now you can add that extra information in about, okay, so this is their genetic predisposition, but also we know that this person is a smoker or they live in this particular environment or this kind of thing. So you're adding an extra layer of information which helps inform you in your studies, isn't it? That's absolutely right. And of course, many people who have one long-term health condition actually have 
one or more other long-term health conditions as well. And utilising electronic healthcare records, that enables us to establish what's going on in terms of combinations of diseases, but also things like response to treatments as well. Not all people respond equally to particular treatments, for example, drugs that are used to treat high blood pressure. Some people find a better blood pressure response than others. Some people have adverse responses like developing a chronic cough with certain types of blood pressure medication. So when the project started, what was your aim? So I know Melanie Davies, who's the Leicester NIHRBRC director, said recently it takes a huge amount of vision, strategy, resilience to set up a study like Exceed. So tell me, what does it take to get a study of this nature off the ground? That's a really good question, and it requires a long-term perspective. It requires building trust with participants and the public locally, but also building trust with healthcare workers. So many of the Exceed participants were invited to take part via their general practitioner. So as building those partnerships with local general practitioners so that they could see the value of the study. And in fact, we were really overwhelmed by the support that local participants and the public provided, that local GPs were able to come on board as partners so effectively. And to a certain extent, it involved a leap of faith on the part of the participants who consented to take part in the study. We've been going for 10 years now, and it's only towards the latter part of that 10-year period that we started to see so many research publications and research uses coming out of the Exceed study, out of that resource that participants helped to build. So it sounds like a really nice collaborative study between sort of scientists, GPs and the public. Absolutely. And I think developing those partnerships at the beginning is crucial and has been important to make sure that we got the design right, to make sure that we got ongoing feedback from participants into how the study evolves and progresses. That's been really key. So, Catherine, tell me about the design of the study. What are you interested in looking at? So I think there's a couple of aspects that are important there. One is about being able to study a really broad range of health conditions and diseases. And the other is about being able to look at them over time. So the way that the study was designed, we asked people to consent to being followed up for 25 years. So we had that ability to follow up over quite a long period and see what changes with people's health. And the other aspect of the design that helped to address that was linking to people's healthcare records, so particularly their records from their GP, which means we can see when they go to the GP with a symptom or are diagnosed with a new condition without us needing to go back to participants and keep asking them those questions over and over again. So in the early days, who were you looking to recruit? So... Initially, when the study began, we recruited people who were aged between about 40 and 69. There have been a couple of changes to that, particularly when COVID happened. We extended recruitment to the study out to anyone over 18 so that we could really contribute as best we could towards all of the urgent COVID research that was needed. And the other important thing was that we were asking people to 
agree to be followed up potentially up to 25 years. That's a really important part of the study because it allows us to see how conditions and diseases develop over time. Historically, there have been lots of really important examples of longitudinal cohort studies like that that have provided really fundamental shifts in our understanding of health and disease, even down to kind of the risks of smoking and lung cancer. And this sounds like it's one of the really key things to the Exceed study when you were thinking about setting it up is that you want to be able to follow people for the long term because you're trying to understand about that disease progression alongside health and lifestyle factors. And that's one of the things that makes the Exceed study so great, isn't it? You've got this longitudinal outlook for it. It does, absolutely. And if we combine that design with participant consent to be recalled for further studies, then we also have the opportunity for participants to be able to come back who've developed either a particular condition or a combination of health conditions or have responded to a medicine in a particular way to come back for more detailed evaluations when further research questions that perhaps weren't even anticipated at the beginning come along. I think the other really important thing in relation to that is that it's not just about our ideas, it's about working with researchers who look at a whole range of topics. So researchers who look at heart disease, at mental health, at a whole host of conditions are able to come to us and say, we think this is a really important piece of research that needs to be done. And because Exceed participants have shared their healthcare information, which has information about all of those things, we're able to help undertake a whole really wide range of things. So it's not just the Exceed study itself, you're able to then feed in to other larger studies because you have this resource. Yeah, exactly that. And it might just be looking at the information that's already been collected, or it might be writing out to participants and saying, we think this study might be of interest to you. Would you like to come along and join a new study? So what were the sort of diseases and conditions you were looking at when you first started the study? And how has that broadened over the last 10 years? So it was always planned that study would be able to be really broad and look at a whole range of things. There was a particular focus early on on looking at lung diseases. So people who came to an appointment to join the study and did that face-to-face, they had measurements taken of their lung function, how well your lungs work. So that was one of the focuses. But because of those links to the healthcare records, we're now at a stage where we've been involved in studies of not just lung disease, but heart disease, mental health, liver disease, hormonal conditions. And in fact, there have now been about 54 studies that have used information from Exceed and 21 of those have published their findings in scientific journals. So it's really exciting to see the results coming out. And the other thing you've been doing, I know, is not just looking at single diseases, but how diseases are interacting. So that's another thing that's kind of come out of the Exceed study is it may have started originally just looking at kind of individual ones. But now that you've got all this data, it allows you to look at diseases as groups, I suppose, as well. Yeah, so we can think about which diseases tend to happen together. If you already have a condition, what puts you at risk of developing others that might be related or what can be done hopefully in the future, to minimise the risk of those things happening. So one thing that comes across from talking to the both of you is just how interdisciplinary the Exceed study is, but also the global reach 
of the study because you can feed in and be part of these other wider studies, which is increases the power of those studies. Mm, so COVID is a really good example of that. So this was a new phenomenon that the scientific community understood very little about, really. And studies like Exceed and others like that were in a really good position because the study's already up and running. We've got participants already there. You know, we'd really like to collect some more information about your experience of COVID. We'd like you to do some COVID tests and see if you've had it. And um, by gathering that together with other studies who could do the same thing and working really closely with them, so we were trying to do it in the same sort of ways and gather the same sorts of informations, meant that quite quickly we were able to feed into some really important research that helped us to understand more about the genetics of COVID and the wider impacts of the pandemic and everything that came with it. So what are you most proud about the study? So I think it's about how people have worked together, really. So we've got a fantastic team working on the study who have spent 58 years of their lives collectively bringing the study to the point that it's at now. And that includes our admin team, who are really the first point of contact whenever participants need to speak to us, the researchers uh, who are working on the study. But of course, the participants are a really huge part of that again, and just really appreciative of people giving their time and sort of agreeing to work with us in this way and continuing to engage with the study over 10 years, really. And I hope we'll continue to do that over the next 10 years. So, yeah, next 10 years. Where are you going next? So I think we need to continue to have those conversations, but take them out wider. So talking to those people who might not have thought about participating in health research or genetic research for lots of reasons. You know, lots of people have questions about this kind of research because it's not something that people come across every day. And we know, for example, that people from minority ethnic communities might have more questions, more concerns for really good reasons. So it's really important that we hear those things and start to address them and start to really build that trust for people to come and participate in studies like this. Have you been surprised by anything around the Exceed study? Well, when we designed the study, we designed it in such a way that it could be used for the broadest range of health conditions. But one never knows when one sets out that it's actually going to succeed in doing so. So we're now at a stage where awareness has been raised in the scientific community about the value of Exceed as a resource. And we've been receiving proposals for health conditions that, for example, our own team hasn't contemplated studying. So, for example, endometriosis, inflammatory bowel disease are newer proposals coming in. But amongst the studies that have already completed, we've had conditions that we didn't necessarily envisage being able to study. And Exceed has played a really important part in demonstrating the feasibility of using linked electronic healthcare records to study things that we didn't necessarily know would definitely be feasible at the beginning. So, for example, understanding thyroid disease by utilising routinely measured thyroid function, which GPs measure on participants, avoided the need for participants to have a blood test 
and avoided expensive new laboratory investigations and yet was able to contribute to the largest ever study of underactive, overactive thyroid and also understanding of thyroid cancer. So we've been delighted to see the range of conditions and the range of approaches as well that those studies have used in answering those scientific questions. Martin and Catherine, thank you so much for talking with me about the EXCEED study. This was an episode of the NIHR podcast. I'm Tari King, and thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts or comments on this or any other episodes, please contact us via our X channel at NIHR Research or at Exceed Study. For more information about the NIHR, you can visit our website, nihr.ac.uk.